The purpose of um, my talk, I'm going to be focusing on the tenure of uh, Attorney General Sam Ford, who served from uh, uh, 1917 to 1921. So it encompasses slightly before our involvement with World War I, and it goes beyond. By the time of his election, gambling was found in red light districts and pool halls, cigar stores in cities across the state. He ran on a platform dedicated to fighting vice across this state, correcting crackdown on prostitution and gambling and any other illegal activities. And also in 1917, there were introduced stricter rules associated with gambling laws. But a little background about gambling in Montana. The 1889 Constitution made all forms of gambling illegal. However, illegal gambling halls existed throughout the state, continued to exist throughout the state. And in 1910, nationally gambling laws were, national gambling laws were established, outlawing it in all western states. Um, the day that he was sworn in, uh, January 1, 1917, there was a raid on Butte. He, he stuck true to his word, and starting day one, a raid in Butte, a roulette wheel was found at the Panama Roadhouse, and they confiscated it. Um, uh, the uh, roulette wheels were running in Meterville and other outlying points, the newspaper reported. Um, March 1917, uh, Attorney General Ford sent a letter instructing sh sheriffs and county attorneys throughout Montana to see to it that the laws against gambling are strictly enforced. And this prompted a flurry of letters requesting clarifications on some of the items as to whether they were considered gambling objects or to our gambling practices. In, um, and, uh, where am I? A gentleman from Glasgow wrote Attorney General saying, I'm a traveling salesman making Montana towns only. And he asked the Attorney General's opinion about a machine made by the Adley Novelty Company of Chicago, Illinois. Here you see it here, it's a gumball machine. I'd like to carry this as a sideline if it's within the law. Please let me know your opinion as soon as possible. And it may be a little hard to see, but here are the um, instructions on how this works. The, the gumballs have numbers on them, and if you get a certain number, you get 50 cents or whatever in trade. So you get 50 cents in gumballs or trade within the store. Um, and the Attorney General wrote back, you are advised that in my opinion, the use of this machine mentioned is prohibited by the laws of this state. So no gambling there, uh, no gambling with gumballs. In uh, 1917, Hill County uh, Attorney Griggs and other local officials apparently turned a blind eye to the vice that was rampant in Haver. One witness stated that deputy sheriffs uh, gave 100 pennies to the inmates so they could have small change to play poker and did willfully allow the inmates of Hill County Jail to, at Haver to play cards for money. Another witness stated that Griggs told him that he could not shut up the cribs, the, the uh, houses of prostitution, because the girls had bought and owned the cribs that they were living in. And here's a little map that one of um, Attorney General's investigators uh, drew up about Haver. Um, with pressure from uh, Attorney General Ford, Griggs did announce that 25 gambling joints in Haver were to be closed. But nothing happened. The phony gambling raids were staged at a card room uh, um, and a handful of chips and se uh, $17.50 in cash were confiscated and 15 men received small fines slap on the wrist. And you can see here is a card room that was found. 
Um, finally, charges were actually brought against against uh, County Attorney Griggs for allowing vice to occur in Haver. Ford summarized the case against Griggs. The laws were not enforced, he said, and he knew it was being violated and failed to perform his, his official duties. But the grand jury found no gambling or prostitution roaming the streets. But they did think the police could use more drastic measures to drive the pests and leeches upon society out of the city. And they found no graft or corruption among the county city officials. Down but undeterred, Ford brought in a state agent brought in state agents to infiltrate Haver's illicit underworld. One, P.J. Apple of Great Falls in particular, inserted himself into the gambling crowd of the town. However, he was summarily arrested and charged with gambling when caught on a raid. And then, once released, he was arrested again for illegal cohabitation with one of the local girls. Still undeterred, Ford brought an um, assistant attorney general ground into Haver and worked with a local attorney and the Reverend Houston and finally some arrests were made but maybe a little hard to read this but in 1918 Griggs seems to have retained his position as county uh, county attorney um, the Attorney General wrote to uh, Griggs about gambling in, in Chester Griggs writes back I have understood that some of the citizens in Chester have been in a habit of playing solo in their private homes Perhaps they also play poker and blackjack, and if that is the case, it would be a very difficult matter to put a stop to it. So in other words, he was not interested in pursuing any kind of gambling um, charges. The, the punch board refers to a gambling device popular in the United States, roughly from 1910 to 1970. Punch boards could be used for fundraising, sales promotion, gambling, sometimes all at once. Punch boards were typically found in places where men gathered socially, bars, pool halls, barbershops, etc., men's clubs. But they also could be found in beauty parlors and drugstores and other small establishments. And uh, by uh, 1917, uh, Attorney General Ford deemed all forms of punch boards, including those that you can win some candy, illegal. And also looking for more clarification, a man from Coffee Creek wrote to uh, Attorney General Ford to wonder if playing pool in the local pool halls for candy or, or cigars is okay. Pool halls were notorious for being associated with illegal gambling, um, illegal gambling and booze. However, there were some that were were um, promoting themselves as being honest pool halls, such as the Corn Billiards in Butte. Um, and the the practice of playing pool for in exchange for cigars rather than than winning at money continued even until 1921 when the Supreme Court determined that it was indeed illegal as a violation of the gambling laws to um, play pool for cigars. And after prohibition, which took place in 19, uh, January 1, 1918 in Montana, many former saloons tried to maintain some form of business, as Katie mentioned, soft, work, soft drink parlors, pool halls, and cigar stores. This is the Silver Dollar Bar the night before Prohibition takes place in Great Falls. Yeah, there's Charlie Russell right there. So the, the um, Silver Dollar became the United Cigar Store, opening um, in Great Falls. See, formerly the Silver Dollar, whoops, sorry. Oh, no, now what I do. Formerly the Silver Dollar, and as far as I know, the United 
cigar store was not an illicit um, gambling joint or otherwise, but I, I don't know. Um, this is a, a syndicated uh, cartoon by a gentleman named Gene Knott. He was a sports cartoonist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And this cartoon ran in the Great Falls Tribune. And it provided lighthearted commentary on gambling. And uh, St. Louis Dispatch wrote about um, Gene Knott, the, the um, creator. Uh, he said, they said, they have all the, excuse me, it, is, it has been said that he has been inspired by one who knows. And according to the unidentified rumor, Knott is contemplating submitting to his business office at the end of each week an expense account to cover losses while engaged in getting raw material. So he would write about gambling in a uh, lighthearted manner. And um, so it sort of reflects what people were thinking about all this gambling that's going on. This is a great uh, gambling machine that's in the collection of the Montana Historical Society. And here's another one uh, by um, Mr. Knott. Ford continued his anti-vice campaign throughout his term, but the onslaught of illegal activity uh, was never ending. This office, he wrote, um, the Gallatin County attorney wrote, this office has received a number of complaints with reference to violations of the law of pool halls, as well as gambling in Willow Creek. And in the Great Falls Tribune, gambling raids bring results, the headline screamed. As a result of a raid conducted at the Butte Bar by Deputy Sheriffs E.J. E. Tate and W.C. Bean, a number of men were arrested for gambling or breaking up poker parties. Raids conducted a few months ago seem to have produced the desired results, but present time, some of the more daring devotees of the Wheel of Fortune are taking a fling once in a while, it appears. They think the officers will not discover them. I think maybe they were right. Uh, and from Laurel, uh, written to the Attorney General, it is said that Wright and Jacobs' soft drink parlors open all night for men who are playing cards. They're, they're giving chips. Men have also been seen paying to play, pay money for, excuse me, pay money for games. This is causing many men to stay up all night and sleep the next day and neglecting their daily work. And here um, they're talking about um, the difference between the chips that are used in deferring paying settlement. And uh, the Chinese lottery in Butte that had been running for many, many years was shut down. And here are a couple examples of the lottery, Chinese lottery tickets that were confiscated. Um, this is a Red Cross quilt that's in our collection. It was made in 1918 as a fundraiser for the Cascade County Red Cross by a local chapter of the Ladies Auxiliary to Council 349, Order of the United Commercial Travelers. And people paid to have their names placed on the quilt with spaces ranging from 25 cents to $100, with the um, large center quilt being $100. Uh, there were almost 1,300 names. Mrs. R.B. Wilson wrote out all, all of the names, and another member embroidered them. And in 1918, the finished quilt was raffled off, with the party holding the lucky share of being awarded the quilt. A total of $1,050.30 was donated to the Red Cross. And here's the receipt for the National American Red Cross, thanking them for their donation. However, um, raffling off such quilts was not a legal activity. 
Um, from Ingemar, Dear Sir, I would like your opinion from your office as to the following. Selling numbers or on commodities to benefit the Red Cross or for any benevolent or charitable purpose. Is it contrary to the law of the state as to this purpose? Is it contrary to the laws in our state as to designation of gambling? Are we liable in selling a pig, for instance, for the benefit of the Red Cross by selling numbers, the lucky number taking over said pig? In response, the Attorney General writes, I'm in receipt of your letter and reply that you advise that the plan outlined therein is strictly prohibited under the laws of the state. In April of 1918, Mr. McCray writes from Sand Springs, asking permission to raffle donations to the Red Cross. On this case, he mentions four horses, a harness, and a wagon. In response, Attorney General replies, I am in receipt of your letter and will reply, say that I am absolutely without authority to permit you to raffle off certain articles for the benefit of the Red Cross. The money unquestionably would be used for a splendid purpose, and if I had within my power, I would not hesitate to grant you the permission. But under the laws of the state, I have no such authority. And again, in April 8, 1918, Reverend Ira Franklin Rankin, excuse me, wrote, I am in he wrote back to Reverend Rankin, to Lima, in the same kind of question. I'm in receipt of your letter, and in reply will say, is unlawful to this state to raffle off articles of benefit for the Red Cross. So, this was done illegally, but people... Oh, there's the, there's the letter from uh, the Attorney General. And, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, there was hardship associated with gambling that did happen. So there were reasons why gambling laws existed. People were losing money that could have gone to feed their families. Um, here's a lighthearted cartoon about a everyday, everyday average citizen um, saying, wanting to go out gambling, but his wife saying, he's talking about somebody gambling and, and he's, he's pretending he's not. And then the maid over here says, ha ha, old timer, there's a book for the same game, but he'll never make it now because he said he's not a gambler. Um, letters such as this written to the Attorney General. Some days ago, my husband, during a fit of intemperance, fell in with several saloon keepers and gamblers from Eureka and Fortine and lost $400 gambling. And, and in 1919, Mrs. Phillips Johnson, wife of a laborer at the Pittsmott Smelter in Butte, marched into the Pioneer Club and demanded $300 her husband lost playing blackjack. And here's another cartoon about the morning after. How much did you lose? I broke just about even. Yeah. Um, in uh, 1920, the committee uh, citizens from Shelby wrote to the Attorney General, we, a committee of citizens of this town, wish to help stamp out gambling in this place. We realize this is a menace to society and betterment of conditions of this town, which has been drought-stricken for the past three years. Yet there are men who are in debt and whose families need money, but will go to those pool halls and gamble it away. But women also participating in the gambling trade, maybe because they desperately needed money. Maddie F. Curtis, who was listed as a widow in the Butte City Pope Directory, was arrested for liquor and gambling in the Crown Bar. Um, Scobie woman. Whoops, I missed something here. I'm sorry. Let's just jump forward. Uh, this, this is uh, about people writing checks for gambling. 
and here's a poor gentleman who wrote a check, Mr. Bosevich complained to officials that he wrote a check for gambling, and um, instead of prosecuting the gamblers, they prosecuted him for gambling. So, here's the Scobie woman um, who was arrested late last Saturday by the police of Chile, chief for gambling. So uh, every part of society um, seemed to be somehow touched by gambling. Um, Attorney General continued to um, persist on his, his quest to squash gambling. The corruption and lack of funding seems to have thwarted much of his good intentions. Time and time again, the AG responded to requests for help that he did not have enough funds to provide detectives. He wrote one woman, you may recall that the last two sessions of the legislature, an effort was made to provide an officer whose job could be there to assist the county officer in enforcing various laws of that state but no money was forthcoming. And she writes, this is near the end of his career as Attorney General, I am confident that my successor, successor Wellington D. Rankin, will prosecute them with all the energy and campaign for law enforcement. I think he was getting worn out by this. Um, he did seem to have some funds for investigation. In 1919, an investigator, Roos, wrote, after two weeks of investigation here, I find Phillips County to be a pretty clean place, with the exception of Seiko, where we have evidence that the constable is offering a gambling house. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, he keeps writing to his, his uh, uh, county attorneys, uh, uh, working, trying diligently to stamp out gambling. But um, he writes to a county attorney in 1920, I was very surprised on my recent visit to Great Falls to observe that the punch boards and sticker boards are still in your county. And he continues to receive inquiries such as this from Sanders County, even though he said from day one, punch boards are illegal. I replied your letter of the 5th, to our knowledge there's not a punch board, punch board in our gambling device operating in Sanders County, the office has kept a sharp lookout. Well, apparently that wasn't really the case. And also one great success he did have in 1920, um, uh, he, well, he found um, this, he had a huge raid in Miles City. And the headlines screamed, Dragnet spread over local underworld and 14 gambling places in, on Main Street. 45, nine, 49 arrests among the denizens of Custer County Metropolis underworld. Um, screamed the headline of, 19, of May 2nd, 1920. It was, um, under the direction of, of Sam Ford and the, and the uh, um, detectives ultimately obtained warrants for gambling in 11 cases, six warrants for bootlegging, and 48 warrants for prostitution. The uh, paper went on to say the local police department was not included in the raids. Startling was the announcement made by the raiding officers were that 18 houses of ill fame were found in the confines of the city. And those places have openly above board been operating under the very eyes of the police department of the city. Surprise, surprise. Um, the 1920s census lists uh, George Kenny, who operated the uh, soft drink parlor, the, the Kenny, um, as the, the manager of that place. Uh, previously, the same location was a saloon had not changed the name at all. And among the items gathered was this, uh, this Pharaoh game set that is in our collection. And um, in addition to the Kenny, three um, establishments 
Several other mainstream Main Street establishments suspected of providing gambling, alcohol, or both were raided, including the Negro Billiard Hall, Butler and Butler, a full-service establishment offering soda fountain cigars and billiards, and the Sandal Cigar. So there again, we have the soft drink parlor, the billiard hall, and um, the uh, cigar store. Um, and then, you know, gambling just continued all the way for, forever, it seems like, and slowly the gambling laws evolved into what they are today. In 1933, when prohibition was repealed, bars opened and gambling resurfaced more openly, but however, it was, of course, illegal. And the in 1937, the legislature passed the Hickey Act, which opens up to um, opens up various games in various locations in license, if licensed by their county. And in 1945, the State Board of Equalization licensed certain trade stimulators and other devices for nonprofit organizations and to collect tax on, on them. Legal slot machines, though, um, still remain across the state. Um, trade stimulators are like those uh, punch boards that I showed you earlier. So, um, and eventually, we now have our uh, casinos and the lottery we have today. And um, I don't know what Mr. Ford would think of that. <laughs> but also, I just wanted to show you a couple of things how popular culture during the time used the gambling images um, in, in the newspapers and ads. And here is a, an ad talking about how you need to use the, these special chains to um, survive on rough roads and don't be a gambler. And here's, um, you're shooting with dice with death if you don't take this drug. It can help you uh, with guitar and cold. And then also there are some incredible films where they're showing, featuring notorious gamblers and women being gamblers and, and very sort of exotic. And so you can see how people um, knew it was illegal, of course, but yet it became, it was still a draw to um, popular culture. Here, uh, the Black Death and Red for Blood and Double O and Hope for Faith. Those are the markings on the roulette wheel of the life of the beautiful gambler. And every woman, um, the greatest woman picture ever told, and talks about her, her being in the gambling palace in the throngs of fashion and humor, pathos, and gorgeous spectacle. Don't miss the revels at the banquet of the wealth. An ounce of the luck is better than the pound of wisdom. In bad luck, hold out. In good luck, hold in. The man who gambles is always a loser. An honest gambler is rare as a hen's teeth. 